the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we are going to be reviewing the album Title by Fiona Apple. Uh, the album came out in 1996 and uh, was swept across the nation by a music video, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. when we get to that particular song. Um, Adam, did you listen to this album much at all when you were a child? Because I know I did, which is why I put it on here, but I can't remember if you had that much exposure to it. This was not an album that I picked out on my own and listened to. Now, granted, I I had this album, um, you know, just it kind of accumulated in my group of albums on my my iTunes, etc. But this was not one that I would go back to on my own. Now, granted, I will say... I thought like I didn't really listen to much of this album at all until I started listening it again for the podcast. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm remembering more of this. So I think honestly, I probably listened to this one vicariously through you. Like you had it on, uh, right. on in our, uh, in our little stereo in our bedroom growing up. And that's probably where I heard most of this album. Yeah. B- besides the singles. Right. Right. Besides the singles, which of which surprisingly they were listed as six singles, I only really remember two of them being played on the radio. Actually, I should yeah. say three. Yeah, I, I kind of only I remember Sleep to Dream, Shadow Boxer, and Criminal. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I saw that too. I was like, wow, that's a lot of singles from this album of ten, only ten tracks, and yeah. more more than half, six of them were singles. Um, but only, literally, only one of them charted on the Billboard Hot 100, and right. a couple others charted on some of the minor charts, but. Uh, but yeah, they were they were all, and and actually, I think only I think a couple of them didn't chart at all. So it's like okay, they were barely singles. Yeah, uh, the album was recorded in Los Angeles, although Fiona Apple was from New York City, uh, okay. which I believe that's where she was living uh, at the time. She was only seventeen when she recorded this album. Oh wow, okay. See, that's that's interesting because you know there's a. I don't know, a, a lot of depth, and she definitely kind of, her lyrics and the way she sings definitely makes it seem like someone who's experienced more of life than a 17-year-old. There is a maturity to it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, she she lived through a few things. Uh, she was apparently raped when she was 12, Ooh. and okay. I think that played a lot into uh, her lyricism and her poetry, which she wrote a lot of. Um, and we'll talk about, uh, when we talk about Sleep to Dream, which is the first song on the album, the lyrics for that song she actually wrote when she was 14. Oh, okay. Wow. So she's been writing and and uh, playing music and stuff for a long time. Surprisingly, when she got, um, when she got uh, accepted or booked to make this album, she had never actually performed live. Okay. Huh. She, uh, she got it all on the strength of a demo that she sent. Uh a quick background on Fiona Apple. We don't usually dive too much into uh, the artists when we talk about it, but just a very quick background on her. Um, her father was an actor, 
or maybe is an actor. I think he's still with hmm. us. I'm not sure. Um, not anything big. Uh, he was known. I think he mostly was a stage actor, but he did do a couple of TV shows and a couple of movies and that sort of thing. Um, her mother was a singer. I'm not sure what kind of singer. It was just said that she was a singer. So maybe she just was a, a working singer or probably mm-hmm. around New York City. Um, she has several brothers and sisters and half brothers and sisters. And um, uh, one of them actually performs on this uh, on this album as, uh, as a, for harmonies for just one track. And she's listed as Amber Maggart, which I think is Fiona Apple's actual last name. Okay. Fiona Maggart. Good. Oh, it's a good change. That's a good change. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, Maggart isn't isn't a last name that rolls off the tongue. Right. <laughs> um, but her sister, oddly enough, actually goes as Maud Maggart, and she's a cabaret singer. <laughs> okay. Um, there are quite a few people uh, who you know, worked on this album. It was produced uh, by Andrew Slater, who was kind of her producer and manager who kind of brought her in. And uh, he brought in a, an instrumental, a multi-instrumentalist by the uh, by the name of John Bryan, who kind of really helped shape all of her songs. Okay. Kind of took this like demo of this girl who's basically just playing piano and singing. She had uh, she had a classical piano background, mm. um, but where she really learned how to uh, write songs was from jazz charts. She would she would take a book of standard oh. jazz charts and just try to learn them. And, that, I mean, and, you can tell some of that influence in this album for sure. Yeah, um, and, and so famously, she actually said that she went through the uh, through a book called the Real Book, which the Real Book is very famous in the jazz world. It's basically just a book of standards. It's just a lead sheet that has lyrics and chords, and uh, people who are learning how to play jazz uh, work through this book to kind of learn, you know, different charts and stuff like that. And she basically just worked her way through the book. And so that you can definitely t- hear the jazz influence, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other couple people I'll mention who were uh, personnel on the album, because there were quite a few people they brought in. Uh, one uh, was a guy named Matt Chamberlain, who played drums on several oh, ones. Matt th- Chamberlain's a, that's a very- awesome. I didn't know he was on this album. Yes. Are, are we thinking of the same Matt Chamberlain? Are we not thinking of the drummer for Soundgarden and Pearl Jam? No, you're thinking of Matt Cameron. Oh, maybe. But there is a Matt Chamberlain who... Who yes, were, who did so, something for Chamber for Pearl Jam? Uh, so Matt Chamberlain is a sort of a session drummer and a uh, a, a studio drummer. When you and I saw Pearl Jam, I'm uh, sorry. When you and I saw Soundgarden, Soundgarden tour with Nine Inch Nails, Matt Chamberlain was their drummer for that tour. Okay, so so but Matt Cameron is probably the more famous one who I'm thinking of. But yeah. both Matt Cameron and Matt Chamberlain have done drums for both Pearl Jam. Yes, and Soundgarden. That Matt, is really yeah, confusing. Matt- <laughs> <laughs> Matt Chamberlain is like he's like a big session drummer, so like yeah, okay. he, you know, whatever you need. And so when and, and when uh, Soundgarden did that tour uh, with Nine Inch Nails, Matt Cameron, the original drummer, opted yeah. to stay with Pearl Jam because that was going to keep him home more that okay. year, and he wanted to stay home with his kids. So he opted not to do that tour with Soundgarden. So Matt Chamberlain See. stepped in and he did that tour. So you've seen Matt Chamberlain? Yes. I mean, so I'm kind of I was kind of right, kind of wrong. I was- yes. <laughs> Yeah, but I knew I recognized the name. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the other name worth mentioning is a guy named Van Dy- uh, Van Dyke Parks, who did the string arrangements uh, for Never Is a Promise. And uh, Van Dyke Parks is famous for doing the string arrangements for the Beach Boys. Okay, very cool. For all this, for all the the Beach Boy hits. He yeah, was a some classic stuff there. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there's just a bunch of like session guys and stuff like that. So. Um, I don't have anything else to add, Adam. Do you have anything you want to add to this? Um, 
Nothing really. I guess uh, I think you already mentioned this was the debut album. This was her first album mm-hmm. that she ever put out, uh, and it sold 2.9 million copies in the U.S. So it was pretty popular, pretty darn popular back in the day. Yeah. Um, as oddly enough, I've heard mixed reviews as to whether it's critically acclaimed or not. Or mm-hmm. not. I've heard some people say it was a critically acclaimed album. I've heard some people say it was not a critically acclaimed <laughs> album, and that people think her other her later albums are more critically acclaimed. I'm not sure what to believe. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go off of what I hear and what I like. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to mention was the uh, the cover art, which is actually mm-hmm. just a very close up picture of her face that's kind of blurred. It's not even like yeah. a sharp focus picture. Uh, so I mean, nothing really. I don't know. Maybe there's some some you can pull out some kind of um, symbolism there. Uh, you know, this is really about her, and, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What Whatever. You, how are we going to do it? What strikes you um, automatically about her, and is what I think has always struck me whenever you see her, are her eyes. Mm-hmm. Her eyes seem like they're always just huge, and <laughs> they they always draw you in. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, let's jump in to the first one, which I believe was the third single to come off of the album, which is called Sleep to Dream. I tell you how I feel, but you don't care. I say tell me the truth, but you don't dare. You say love is a hell you cannot bear. And I say give me my back and then go there for all I care. I got my feet on the ground and I don't go to sleep to dream. So a lot of people complain that uh, this album itself on the whole is very slow. Okay. And I would agree with that, although I wouldn't say slow. I would say somber. Yeah, and I wouldn't complain about it. It's just that's exactly. just the, 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 how the album is. Yeah, it's just how she writes. Um, so one of the reasons they brought John Bryan in was to kind of get some more takes on things. And so he sort of added, um, you already had sort of the jazzy element with what she already had. And he sort of brought in these other things, including a little bit of what they said was a trip hop element in some of the beats that they'll use underlying. Uh. Like that that sound? Yeah, you can hear it here a little bit. Uh, to me, I've never really associated it that way. Mm-hmm. I, n- that I never would have thought trip hop ever. Yeah, I didn't either. This was a song I think that at first I resisted, and then the m- more I listened to it, uh, it became not one of my favorites, but one I enjoyed listening to. I believe uh, I would actually say that for the longest time, my two least favorite songs on this album were the two biggest singles she had, which huh. were Sleep to Dream and Criminal. Yeah, that's funny. Because, I mean, I I never really, I didn't listen to this album much on my own, and so yeah, really on my iTunes and whatnot, this would this song and Criminal would always get into, like, my 90s playlists or my um, just other kind of regular playlists. And so, like, when I looked at, like, uh, you know, the... How many times I've listened to the, and actually I'm looking to it like right now. How many times I've listened to all the songs on this album? It's Sleep to Dream and Criminal way up here uh, on everything else. And then everything else is like uh, one, literally just for listening to it for this podcast. So um, so I'm going to kind of spo- spoiler alert a little bit. I love this album. And whenever I listen to this album, I don't ever just listen to one song. I listen to the entire thing. Okay. 
Very cool. So, uh, but it's uh, "Sleep to Dream." It's a it's a great song. Um, I mentioned before she wrote these lyrics when she was fourteen. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's it's very poetic. She uses a lot of poetic uh, lyrics and and language and stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember if there was a music video for this one. I think there was, but I did not watch it. Did there, you happen to watch it? I watched it, um, and it's nothing really special. It's kind of her in a house, and she's just being. I don't know. She's just singing in a house. Uh, there's some there's some editing elements to it that you know aren't really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically her being angsty and angry. I mean, and that's her <laughs> voice and that's her style. Right. Uh, you know that kind of fits really well. She is kind of that. I don't know. I mean, similar enough to how Alanis Morissette had some kind of of those the angsty anger style to her. Not not the same. This is a little bit more chill, poetic, angsty, angry. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I get really I get that vibe of like the speaks you know type of oh this person speaks for my generation type of personality yeah. does that if that makes yeah. any sense like i sure. totally feel like i would meet you know some women uh or men whoever like at a uh music venue or maybe like a a weekend kind of jazzy festival festival and if, if Fiona Apple was playing, they'd be like, oh, she speaks to my soul. Like, I feel like half of those people would be like that. And and that's and I get that vibe from her and, and get it right away with Sleep to Dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, so I forgot to mention when we talked just briefly at the beginning, she actually won a Grammy for Best New Artist for this album. Okay. Um, but I bring that up because uh, in 1997, she won a MTV Music Award for this song and gave a speech, which is now kind of infamous uh, where she kind of called out the music uh, industry mm-hmm. um, and gave a very impassioned speech. I didn't prepare a speech, and I'm sorry, but I'm glad that I didn't because I'm not going to do this like everybody else does it. Because um, everybody that I should be thanking, I'm really sorry, but I have to use this time. See, Maya Angelou said that we, we as human beings at our best can only create co- opportunities. And I'm going to use this opportunity the way that I want to use it. So what I want to say is, um, everybody out there that's watching, everybody that's watching this world, this world is both. And you shouldn't model your life. Wait a second. You shouldn't model your life about what you think that we think is cool and what we're wearing and what we're saying and everything. Go with yourself. Go with yourself. And there's just a few people that I want to say something to. I want to say, Mama, I love you. I'm so glad that we're becoming friends. Amber, I love you. You're my sister. You're my best friend. Andrew Slater, no one else could have produced this album, and no one else did. Um, And it's just stupid that I'm in this world, but you're all very cool to me, so thank you very much. And I'm sorry for all the people that I didn't thank, but man, it's good. Bye. I mean, I do remember after this album and after and particularly, I think and and, and maybe we'll talk about it with criminal stuff. I'll, I'll save it with with criminal. But yeah, I just remember her kind of there was this album and then not to say she just went away, but she kind of was just like, eh, fuck mainstream. And I'm just going to go be a little bit be a little bit more of that um, indie music yes. scene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and which is weird that it seems like the more. The more albums she's put out, which I think she's got maybe four or five, it's it's she's not fairly consistent. In fact, her most recent album just came out. Oh wow, um, which I've listened to, and uh, it took her like eight years to make. 
And that was just because that was what she was. She was working on her own schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, f- in fact, it wasn't even supposed to come out yet. It was only going to come out in the fall. They were going to. And I read an interview with her. She was going to do this whole like press tour thing. And then when the COVID thing happened, she goes, "You know what? People need new music now. I hate doing the talk uh, the talk show." thing she hates doing the interview thing she's like i'm just gonna release the album now yeah and I no mean, one's she, gonna no one's gonna have her go travel around right now yeah <laughs> so i mean she 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 said you know what i mean she she's never been about you know doing that whole press thing especially you know after i think her experience with the first album so she just released it mm-hmm. she okay. said all right you know we're just gonna let it go so i've listened to it um it is definitely i think the more the older she gets the more sort of i want to use the word eclectic that she mm. gets um and i I think that's just due to how artists are and how they want to change and adapt and evolve. Um, I I think I'm gonna have to listen to that album a few more times. Okay. Before I can really uh, get into it. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to uh, title and let's go ahead and move on to the next song, which is called "Sullen Girl." Days like this, I don't know. No surprise. I, I love every song on this album, so I, I'm going to start. I, there's not going to be any song where we're like, I don't really like this song. I love every song on this album, and I kind of take the whole thing as a whole. Mm. Uh, we get a little bit of a slowdown mm-hmm. in this one. Uh, any any variations in tempo and, and feel are really kind of slight and subtle in yeah. a lot of cases. Yeah, but it is uh, it is still noticeable. It is noticeable, and I think a lot of it has to do with what kind of beat they put behind it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they put if they put a, uh, a a fancier drum beat behind this, it would have the same feel as Sleep to Dream. Uh, I mean, she is obviously, she is a songwriter. She is a piano singer-songwriter. You know, in the same vein of the sort of guitar singer-songwriters, she could play this whole album with just her and a piano. It would, it would sound fine. Yeah, if she was in like a coffee bar or something yeah. with a piano and uh, just doing this like that would totally fit and it'd be freaking awesome yeah i mean it, honestly i'm kind of shocked that especially living in new york she had never performed live before she started working on this album because it seems like this would have been the sort of thing especially in the mid to late 90s go to a coffee shop mm-hmm. that has maybe a keyboard or something or piano and she yeah. would just sing these songs in a coffee shop because that would have been that would have been totally her jam. Yeah. And would have gone well with the crowd there. I'd probably go well with the crowd there now. Absolutely. I love, and this is the percussionist in me, I love the inclusion of the vibraphone uh, in this song because I think it really adds a, a little bit to it. I mean, yeah, I'm a little biased in that because well, I, I wouldn't have even picked it out and been like, that's a vibraphone. <laughs> but whatever it is, like, yeah, the, the, the um, instrumentation 
does yes. work well in this in this song. Yeah, um, and it is like the title says; it's a very sullen song. It is, man. Uh, I you know what I, exactly? That's what I, I put sullen is right <laughs> with this one, <laughs> um, but it, it's dark. It's deep. There is a sadness to this song, um, but it works actually quite well. This is a song that I I wasn't expecting to remember, but once mm-hmm. it kind of was going, and once it, it you know it started with that piano, and then kind of her getting into it and whatnot, I was like, oh, I I definitely remember this one. I've heard this one before, and I'm very certain I've heard it. You know, maybe you know in the bedroom with you when we you mentioned before we used to put on albums going to sleep, and this was probably one of them that you had done before. And this would be a great album to sleep to. Yeah, could you rephrase that statement so it doesn't sound so homoerotic? <laughs> so, John and I shared a bedroom. Yeah, we, were, yeah, yeah. we were brothers, in case you guys are curious about our podcast, for a hundred and almost twenty episodes, or whatever it is now. Damn it. Can I, I just assume people know us a yeah. little bit by now? Yeah, but it was a jab. I had to take it. We lived with a single mother. She couldn't afford separate bedrooms for everybody, damn it. Yep. That's, I know. <laughs> I just like picking on you. Oh, no. All right. Uh, let's move ahead to the next one, which was the first released album, or sorry, was the first released single from the album called Shadow Boxer. Oh, it's evil, babe. The way you let your grace enrapture me. about this one is i immediately get jazz club vibes oh my god just listening to it just a little bit i'm just like i feel like i'm in like a a dark room yeah i'm sipping a you know just a glass of whiskey or there's a martini or something going on and you get a little smoky some people are smoking around and it's just like her whiskey yeah and hers just she's just fucking on there and she's just like she's into it you know yeah (laughs) i mean it's weird like i actually it's stupid to make this association, but it, it makes me think of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I imagine uh. the scene where, like, I imagine just like a stage where like some guys playing piano, some other guys on the drums, and she's just kind of standing there swaying with a mic, mm-hmm. singing her heart out to this song. Yeah, yeah, not quite as overly uh, sexualized yes, as Jessica exactly. Rabbit. She's just much more, you know, um, straight laced. But but you but know, that club, that club yeah. vibe is what I get from it. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Um. One thing I I like about this is how uneasy she sounds when she's singing it. Mm-hmm. This is obviously in the age before uh, exclusive or not exclusive, but extensive use of auto tune. Mm-hmm. And she's there's a couple of spots where she's she's slightly off. Yeah, she's she's, she's a bit pitchy, bro. <laughs> Just a little, but, I, but not but not not a bad. Way. I hate the I hate the term pitchy. Oh. <laughs> I really hate the term pitchy. Uh, she's yeah, in a lot of places she's hitting like these big notes where she's she's like slightly flat, mm-hmm. which works with the jazz theme because I mean jazz is all about the 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 contrast and dissonance and, and mm-hmm. you know ebb and flow and all that stuff. 
And you know, even in her um, her rhythmic use of her lyrics and how how she sings, she'll be a little uneasy with the uh, uh, with the tempo, which is in most cases of singing, people are much more forgiving of, mm-hmm. you know, especially for artistic style. Um, you know, I I if this if she had made this exact album, you know, if she was seventeen now making this album, they would have auto tuned the hell out oh, of this yeah. one. But it takes away from the feel of it. Uh, I've grown to I love the 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 pitchiness. Okay, I'm I'm gonna stop <laughs> using that term even even ironically. Uh-huh. Um, I I love the the uneasiness in her voice and stuff like that. And uh, this is a this is a song that has kind of grown on me more in the album. The yeah. more and more I've listened to it through the years. Yeah, um, I guess the way the way you called it out, like you know, if you were a young person now, they would have taken like your you know, your angsty sound and your kind of, you know, all that, that kind of feel. And they would have popped it up. They would have yeah. um, definitely audited. They would have, you know, she's like the Billie Eilish who was allowed to just still do her own thing. I mean, I, I never actually, I, I never really listened to much of Billie Eilish's sound, but she, she's she got the look of an angsty, angry little teen. And yeah. so I imagine if she was allowed to just write her own shit and just kind of sound the way she wanted to sound, she would have maybe turned out a little bit more Fiona Appley, um, but she's become much more of a pop thing. Um, I don't know if that's true at all, but that's, I'm right. just going to make that assumption. Yeah. Uh, this song definitely, it's got, again, another dark feel to it. There is, but there's still, there's also like a, a sensual, sexy vibe to this song yeah. that I get. I mean, you get like that, exactly that kind of, I don't know, that kind of club Roger rabbit kind of thing. So, <laughs> but it's not overly sexual, but there's just no. like a sensualness to it. Yeah. Um, there is a, a music video to it where it's uh, basically her, it's in black and white. There's some kind of, I don't know grungy style editing if that makes sense to anybody um and it's basically her sitting or singing in a studio setting with that kind of stuff um i was looking into you know just kind of what what kind of had potential meetings for this song and a lot of this album just a bunch of it is about different relationships these that she's had Mm -hmm. um and just other kind of you know i don't know that kind of thing and things how uh, how they've kind of turned to shit or other stuff in general but but relationships being a, a main reason for this one um or for a lot of the songs of this album and what uh, a quote that she had about this one is basically um she wrote the song uh, it 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 was because of this guy that I had gone out with and had been really really close to him and I really loved him and I felt that he was my best friend but you know he was a teenage guy and you know they don't really think a lot of times he mistreated me and then he came back and I couldn't even be friends with him for a while. I cared about him, but it was a situation where he kept trying to be friends with me. But I knew that he just wanted to be friends with me so that he could, you know, basically have the option of making a move on me whenever he wanted to. Um, basically, mm-hmm. he was just kind of like pulling, pulling strings, that kind of thing. Um, and because, but because I was so infatuated with him and even in love with him, I always was still available for that. It made me feel weak every time I would fall for that, but I would look forward to him making the move because, you know, even though I knew it was wrong and I knew he was playing with me, um, and, and after a while I didn't care anymore because I just wanted him so much. So basically kind of doing this, I don't know, this shadow boxing, this kind of push and pull kind of yeah. thing with this guy. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's some not child, but, uh immaturity to not not to her lyrics or to this song but to that style of relationship where you can't realize you know that it's not something that you should just step away from right Uh, but but it's a good i mean this is a really good song i like this one quite a bit when i re-listen to it yeah i mean and i have to say her poetic use of of words in this it always gets me thinking of you know she's 17 when she probably wrote this or maybe six probably 17 ish 
Um, but I mean, like, Adam, when you were 17, do you use terms like shadow boxing? John, I want to go, I want to talk about, um, I, I somewhat recently got all of like my old stuff from, from mom's house. She was basically like, Adam, you've got some of these old, like, uh, you know, some yearbooks and some stuff left right. in our, in our storage room. You're just going to take them. Uh, I'm not holding this shit for you anymore. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll, I'll take it all. So now, you know, none of my old stuff is at, at mom's place anymore. And I found some of like, I used to write some poetry yeah. and I, and I went through and I looked at like my high school poetry that I wrote. It's God fucking awful. <laughs> it's so bad. And yeah, you think like, wow, this teenager wrote this stuff and there is so much reality and depth and quality in it. And I yeah. look back at my shit and I'm like, wow, <laughs> fucking Wow. <laughs> So yeah, it is it is surprising. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write too much poetry when I was in high school. I did write a little and I'm I'm scared to go back and look at it because I imagine it's gonna be largely the same as you like look back uh-huh. and like uh I was dumb. Yeah. I can I can just say that I was dumb as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh okay, let's move on to the next one, which was her biggest hit and the one that probably most people are going to know her for, which is the song Criminal. talk about the elephant in the room which is the music video yeah that was uh, that was a huge music video yes um and she got a lot of shit for it mm-hmm. um and i think she didn't like it yeah I, I, that's kind of what i had heard down the line that she kind of ended up blasting uh maybe just yeah the the music video or not or just music industry in general i think right. they kind of pushed the sexualization Right. Onto her from it and things like, and so she was very anti that mainstream after this music video. Yeah, um, she kind of got uh, made fun of by comedians then for how she looked because she was very very skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know they kind of mocked her for having what they call heroin chic. Yeah, um, I, I put heroin chic down as well. I mean, she yeah. does have that look immediately when well, you see. Well, and she it. she has said that she had an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. So I mean that totally makes sense and i actually was uh, i was listening to um uh another review on this album from uh a a music magazine put out a little blurb about it and she actually got made fun of by um janine garofalo Mm -hmm. uh for like she uh during um garofalo did like a skit that was basically was mocking it and mocking like her her eating disorder and they, someone in an interview showed her that video, 
And she goes, yeah, she's right. And then composed a uh, poem uh. on the spot blasting Janine Garofalo. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I watch it. She does look skinny. She didn't look ridiculously unhealthy skinny to me, but I don't know. I, I also don't know much about anorexia. I'm not going to pretend that I do. I'm on the opposite side of that, honestly. Yeah. Which is, so. what's funny is is it 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 if you're not really paying attention it kind of comes across as um she's almost feeling guilty for uh for her for her sexuality mm-hmm. I, I really I'm really not sure that that's really her intent yeah I mean I think the video makes it seem that way yes I think I think. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Now, there is a sexuality with this music video, like yes. 100%. You know, it's there's like she's lying all over these other people. It's like an yeah. after party. There's like, you know, all this kind of, I don't know, I would say innuendo with some of that kind of stuff as well. And she's just kind of sulking around in, in different states of undress throughout it. You know, at one point, yeah. just in her underwear. Um, it's dark. It's There is some sexiness to it. But, you know, when you kind of watch it with a more critical eye and not just a horny eye, um, yeah. it's much more of... I think of vulnerability as it yes. is to just a sexuality. Yes. Um, and I, I mean, we, it, it goes without saying, this is the song in the music video that introduced me to Fiona Apple. Mm-hmm. Yes. 17 year old horny John saw this video and was like, Oh man, that girl is smoking. Uh, absolutely. A uh, young, young Adam absolutely was like, wow, really? I mean, she's got, she has got a gorgeous face. Like, yes. you, and she's got a lot of, you know, close up shots of her just kind of singing. Those eyes are very piercing, mm-hmm. as you kind of mentioned before. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely thought it was super sexy when I was younger. Um, you watch it now and I definitely see it as a little bit more vulnerable, creepy, um, and just unfortunate situation with some now as I kind of watch it more and I dissect yeah. it more as an adult. So um, this song won a Grammy for best female rock vocal performance. Uh, it hit uh, number 21 on the hot 100. It's her only single to actually hit the hot 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with a lot of her other lyrics, again, I kind of mentioned uh, dealing with relationships. It's kind of, it's apparently it's kind of about someone having someone worthwhile and then not realizing what you had until after you've, ruined it um by either using them or taking them for granted you know kind of those lyrics i've been a bad bad girl mm-hmm. um you know i've been uh whatever careless for, with a delicate care- man yes careless with, exactly that i mean that's it's kind of on the nose but it is it's all about, about all that kind of stuff and yeah. it totally makes sense it's good it re- i mean great song i can listen to this song almost at any point and be very happy <laughs> with it it's it's yeah. a really strong strong um song on the album and the music video that we mentioned earlier it was directed by mark romanic he directed the music video for hurt the johnny Mm. cash cover uh closer by nine inch nails scream the music the uh, michael jackson janet jackson music video and the taylor swift shake it off a little bit more poppy (laughs) on that one but (laughs) well so he's definitely a big name in uh, music Mm -hmm. videos yeah so this is I just last thing about this song. So obviously I said this is the song that introduced me to her. As I kind of mentioned towards the top, it became one of my least favorite songs to listen to on the album. This was one of the times, and it, I think it happens to everyone, where a popular song introduces us to an al- or to a per- to an artist, and then we listen to the album and realize we love the rest of the album more mm-hmm. than the uh, the you know the the single that everyone listens to. Yeah, and it got it got heavy play, and so I could totally see this one being like, oh, I've heard this song so much. Um, you know, I like, I'm I'm hipster John. I like all the <laughs> deep cuts. I don't I don't listen to the mainstream stuff. <laughs> 
which if you listen to a lot of our stuff is not always the case. A lot no. of times I just like the mainstream stuff. And and I'm kind of on that mainstream. Like I mentioned before, I don't listen to the rest of this album. I Like I said, the only play on my iTunes is from this podcast prep. So, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, but Criminal has, has uh, much more. And so I, I listen to the Criminal and Sleep to Dream like... Not frequently, but like they 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 make my playlist, and so right. I, I hit them often enough. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move to the next song, which is called "Slow Like Honey." Does that scare you? I'll let you run away, but your heart will not oblige you. This one, much like Shadow Boxer, brings me back to sort of the jazz club vibe, just oh, yeah. in a little bit of a slower, a slower take. Um, this, I mentioned before that uh, this album on a whole is very somber, mm-hmm. and so I often find myself listening to this album when I'm in a somber mood, which also might be why I tend to prefer most of the slower songs not the single songs on this album because when i'm listening to it i'm usually in that kind of mood and this is one that always kind of gets me if i'm in a somber mood uh that totally makes sense and that's kind of one of the notes that i put i i I think this is a good song i i wouldn't call it amazing but i like it and and i said i'm not necessarily you know would be skipping this song but I feel like I got to be in a certain mood to really get into it. And I think that totally you kind of nailed on the head. Like if you're coming to this album when you're already in that mood and you just kind of want to want to be kind of sunken into that place and just kind of yeah. live there for a little bit and kind of ride out your emotions, you know, through this music. I think that makes all the sense in the world that you would hit these ones, these very chill, jazzy, dark. You're right. Very smoky club kind of feel. But like this is, you know, this is definitely come down. And I do enjoy I respect the. You know, as, as slow as this, this is not a hot, massive roller coaster where you're going from super high, uh, right. high temple to low temple. You're kind of, you know, it's like rolling hills up and down. But like, this is definitely sl- slow enough of a pace change from Criminal that you're like, okay, all right. I, I always appreciate when I get some variety in an album, yeah. and um, and that it is kind of helping me, you know, appreciate the the flow that we're getting so far. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Um, I've had this discussion with my wife. Uh, if you're in a, a specific mood, do you listen to music opposite of that mood to try to get you out of it? Or do you steer into the skid, as it were, and go deeper into that? I, I'll, I'll, while you're thinking about it, I'll kind of say this. Um, and this stemmed from a discussion with my wife where if I'm in a bad mood and I'm angry, I listen to loud, aggressive music. Mm-hmm. music that's going to make me feel 
almost angrier. Mm-hmm. And she she yeah. always says like, "Why are you're angry? Why are you listening to this?" I'm like, "Because this for me, this is the release. Getting the anger out through this music is the release. If I try to go the other way, to me, it's just bottling it up, and it's gonna make it worse." I I've done both, and I would say probably when I was a little bit younger, I would tend to steer into the angry music a little bit more, mm-hmm. or like when I feel like I'm just you know deep in my own thoughts, I I have put on my playlist that is kind of like basically my deep in my thoughts playlist right um i th- i do have a couple times now as i'm a little bit older a little bit wiser where i don't <laughs> need to just you know if i'm gonna go work out and lift or something then i put on the he- heavy music and i just when i fuck this i'm just gonna get out my anger all together in music yeah. form and in, in weightlifting form or whatever um but every now and then i do if i'm just like if i know i need to chill for a situation or I just, I need to lower that blood pressure because that doctor said it's a little too high. Uh, <laughs> then I'll put on like my chill mix. Um, I'll throw on honestly, or I'll throw on, on repeat, um, the sun lounger white sand, uh, song. And it just, that one kind of that, that'll chill me out. If I, if I need to, if I'm not more so like in a, just an overall angry mood, if I'm like, say I'm pissed off at like, I don't know, a certain situation or a coworker. And I need to make sure that I just kind of call myself before I get into the next situation. Yeah. I'll, I will listen to the opposite kind of style to calm me down. But I, there's plenty of times I want to live in it and I want to just, you know, s- just seep myself in either emotion or sadness or uh, anger or whatever. Yeah. I find myself living in it more often than not. <laughs> and, you're, a dark, you're a dark human, John. Look at you. Well, I, I find I think I, I get it released out of my system faster okay. if I do it that way. By just kind of sort of like letting the fever run its course, like you just. Oh, yeah. A lot of times, the most, uh, the best way to get rid of a fever is just to go to sleep. Yeah. Let, let your body work itself out. Yeah. And usually, it'll fix itself in the morning. So I don't know. I just I you know I don't find myself in these situations as much anymore. I found. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly in my teens and my twenties, maybe a little bit in my early thirties, but. As as I've gotten older, I just I don't find myself in these situations as much. But when I do, I do tend to sort of steer into the skid as far as what I'm listening to, mm-hmm. just to kind of get it out. Yeah, well, makes sense. Okay, let's move on to the next track, number six on the album, which is called "The First Taste." Give me the Not nearly, my love. Not nearly, my love. 
this is probably the, in my opinion, the most upbeat song on the entire album. <laughs> I I can kind of I kind of agree with that. It, it I got like a a Sade vibe when I listened yes. to this one. You know, I, I mean, I listened to like that, especially that beginning part. I was like, is this wait? Is this Fiona Apple? Or is this Sade? I'm not. I'm really <laughs> not sure. Uh, but yeah, you, and, 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 it's, and it's exactly it's not as dark as a lot of the other stuff, but it yeah. is good. It's cool. Uh, I like when the beat kicks in. You get. Um, Kind of simple, uh, simple beat from the drums, but you get some cool sort of almost I would call pseudo African rhythms. There's yes. some marimba in the back, mm-hmm. um, African style sounding marimba, and uh, which I love. It it's a really it really um, counteracts what you were listening to before with slow like honey, and so you are def- you're definitely getting some. It, even though I think it's more subtle than other albums, uh, you're getting a very good up and down. Mm-hmm. She's very good with that, even sometimes within the same song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for this one, what uh, she apparently kind of is describing and whatnot, what this song is maybe a little bit about is kind of being entangled in this man's web. You know, although she's enjoying it and wanting to be there, um, she's kind of growing with anticipation, you know, waiting for him to finally kind of make a move on her. So there's there is like some, you know, more upbeat and, and, and anticipatory um, vibes with mm-hmm. even what she's talking about. And so I think that totally makes sense as to why you're like, oh, this is a little bit more of like the not as dark of a song. Yeah. Um, there are some really good lyrics that I want to point out uh, where she's kind of talking about, uh, she says, waiting for the black to replace my blue, which in other words, basically, can either, I think I think it's either waiting to fall asleep um, or, you know, just kind of see the black um, rather than kind of being around and feeling blue, feeling melancholy, mm-hmm. other stuff like that. I mean, she is a, bit of a she's not a bit she's definitely a wordsmith yeah. um it kind of really shocks the hell out of me again thinking about how young she was um how when she wrote this stuff and just makes me feel bad about what the fuck have i done with my life <laughs> <laughs> not much uh and there is a music video for this one that i watched oh okay it's basically her at a house and then there's some random people at the house that are all kind of like dancing randomly at some point and there's some people in a relationship kissing at different times i don't know it's yeah I, i'm not really sure i didn't really understand the meaning of the music video at all i didn't really get much to pull out of it but i was like yeah this is fine it's a fine music video yeah i don't know why i just thought of this now I actually probably should have brought this up in the beginning um adam do you know who cites this album as one of their biggest influences mm-hmm. slipknot no <laughs> no not slipknot oh um Gallagher, the the guy who hit things with melons. <laughs> uh, no, Kanye West. Really? Really. He's really cited this album as being one of his big influences, and he even cited it as being sort of one of the main influences for, um, I think it was Late Registration. Okay. That, that album. Um, uh, Kanye's so much, not on my so much to, uh, no. So much so that actually he's had John Bryan, the multi-instrumentalist from this album, produce some of his stuff well that's cool respect respect to kanye on that yeah um no. not much else but yeah guy's gone he's gone nuts over <laughs> the years. um I, I i commend him on his uh on his eclectic taste i'll yeah. say that fair enough um speaking of taste the this uh the song like i said before really love it let's move on to the next one which is called never is a promise Give up, see, I do. 
You know, when I was younger, I could probably cite this one as my favorite. Uh, um, I w- I'm going to go, I'm actually going to say this. I don't think I have a favorite now. I think okay. just the album is my favorite. Hmm. It, um, yeah, uh, not, I'm not surprised you mentioned that because, you know, this song has, I think, some of the most emotion yeah. in an already emotion-filled album. Uh, this this one's got some just really good vocals. The way that she sings, she actually does some like a couple high register stuff in this one too. Just kind of pops in there and kind of goes back to kind of her regular register at a moment. Right. Um, I and I writing these notes, I was like, wow, this is probably one of my top ones from the album. You know, yeah. I don't really know it all that well, but it kind of kind of hit me a little bit more. Listen, this was another one of those. I was like, the when I, once I was kind of really listening to, it, I was like, oh wow. I do kind of remember this one. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. It's deep. It's dark. You know, it's kind of got a lot of the same stuff, a lot about relationships and and kind of being in an unhealthy relationship and and things like that and trying to grow beyond that. Um, as some of the, I think, uh, some of the meaning of the album, uh, meaning of the song. But this one, there is, there is something to this song. I think it's maybe technically the longest on the album. Um, not by much, but by a little bit. But this one, this one was one of my favorites. Absolutely one of my favorites. Yeah. This is the only song from her original demo to make it onto the album. Okay. Um, and I loved this song so much that actually when I was in college, I learned it on marimba. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I bought the piano music and learned the whole song. My intent was to actually perform it in a recital. Um, I was gonna uh, was gonna perform the whole thing, not singing. I was just gonna play it as an instrumental. Um, I got about halfway through the song and then ended up having to switch what I was doing. But I really did. Um, I've always really enjoyed this song. Yeah, I, 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 it's got you know it, again as you kind of mentioned before. The one before this one we mentioned was um, maybe a little bit more positive, a little bit you know up more of an upper feel, and then this one kind of brings you back down into mm-hmm. a somber note. Uh, and so you're still getting kind of that ebb and flow um, in, on the flow of this whole album. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this was a fantastic, fantastic song. Yeah. I, man, I'm doing a really bad job of, of remembering when to bring up things because um, it, it made me think of uh, that the fact that, that she had written this song beforehand and this is the only one to survive. It also made me think uh, Criminal was was the last song added, and I apologize for going back to talk about mm-hmm. this, was the last song added because the studio said you need to have a hit and none of these are hits. So they uh, Fiona Apple wrote Criminal in like 45 minutes. <laughs> okay. And maybe that's why she also just, you know, had a little bit more animosity to that I'm one sure. being so big. And she's like, I poured my soul into all these other songs and then fuck this 45-minute hit popping out. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is called The Child Is Gone. Because I suddenly Child is 
again, we're kind of back to the jazz club vibes with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit sort of the of a sort of produced drum track in the back or sort mm-hmm. of almost sampled. Sounds mm-hmm. like it, it almost actually sounds like it's a recording, like a record of a of a drum beat playing that she's playing on top of. Um, it's another great dark song. Uh, nice and slow, very melodic. I'm in love with her voice. Yeah, it, it, her voice lends itself to that to that deep dark style so well. She's kind of she's kind of a lower register, I think, for, for yeah. a lot of females, and that just works really well for this jazz size or jazz style. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, this one is is it's not one that I'm. I don't know. I I, I hesitate to say it's not one of my favorites. But it's not really one of my favorites. Uh, it's one that I enjoy listening to. But if, you know, gun to my head, if I had to pick out probably even my top five songs on this album, it wouldn't make it maybe even more than that. It'd probably yeah. be closer to the bottom. I mean, yeah, you got to, there's got to be, if you rank them, you know, yeah. there's going to be a bottom half. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is still a good song though. As yeah. you mentioned, you like them all. It is, um, obviously with the name like the child is gone and listening to the lyrics there's definitely something about loss of innocence that kind of either easy they're coming up with growing up but as you mentioned which i didn't actually realize before um you said that she was raped when she was 12 maybe it's something to do with that yeah um that you know the child has gone there you obviously loss of innocence with that kind of situation um i don't know you, you can you can also interpret and any kind of good art or poetry there's not a single meaning um mm-hmm. yeah the the writer or the artist, you know, has something in mind, but every person should be able to take their own meaning from their song, apply it to their own situation. Um, and, and so she does a great job with every song on this album. And yeah. it is kind of has that poetry style where you should be able to be like, oh, I'm seeing this in this light where maybe John, you might read it as something slightly different or something yeah. else. So, and, and I you got to appreciate that. I agree. That is a mark of good art. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next one, which is called Pale September. This song always gets me for its lyrics. It's very mm. soft. It's very, I almost said sensual, but it's really not sensual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I love I love her, her wordplay. I mean, even mm-hmm. the opening one, Pale September, I wore the time like a dress that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, who thinks of stuff like that? <laughs> I know, not us. We are we are basic bitches, and she's <laughs> on another level. That's for sure. But, you know, it, exactly. I mean, she's just... Uh, you get lyrics like, um, you know, all my armor falling down, obviously, you know, her guards, her defenses, my mm-hmm. winter giving way to warm, you know, showing that, you know, she's she's seeing some kind of happiness. She's she's giving into a relationship or giving into love. You know, she's hopeful again. There's a lot of yeah. hopefulness in this song and it is slow and you kind of get like that moodiness to it. But you listen to it and you're like, oh, wow, there is still there's something really pleasant 
about yeah. this song. This is as weird as it is, may sound. This is one of my favorite ones to be like laying outside with headphones, just mm. kind of sitting like on my back porch or something, mm. um, or like you know out in the sun and just just kind of like soaking everything in. Mm-hmm. Like this is one you need to be not doing anything else to listen to. This need, it just needs to be you and the music, um, just taking it in, because you know stuff like this you're gonna miss. And maybe maybe I'm old. You are. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm cynical. Definitely. Yeah. But like I I get I constantly get from other people, and I want to say I can't just say it's like kids today. I because <laughs> get I think, off my lawn. <laughs> I think it's honestly a lot of people, including people uh-huh. of our age, don't bother to really listen to music. It's 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 noise. It's background. Mm-hmm. It's not something. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody like sing a song and like praise something about it, and I'm like, you know, that song is not at all about the thing that you say it's about. Yeah. I know. I know art should be open to open to open to interpretation, but at some point, you do have to at least understand what the author's vision was, or the you know the artist's vision was for the song. You know, a great one is um, uh, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Mm, yeah, yeah. Everyone <laughs> you think it's a patriotic, woo, yeah! yeah. And it's like, no, it's a, it's a, um, uh, it's an anti-patriotic song, yeah. pretty much. It, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, another one that, that gets a lot of people is, and this is one, um, it's very, you know, the song You Are My Sunshine. Yeah. It is not a happy song. Everyone, all everyone thinks of is the chorus because that's all everyone, anyone ever knows is the chorus. It sounds all happy. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most depressing songs ever written. Mm. It's a sad song, and so like everyone who you know, somebody else, they're like, "Oh, you are my sunshine." I'm like, "Are you sure?" Because that's <laughs> that's about a guy who's lost love, mm. not about someone who has love. Yeah. So uh, this is this is one of those songs, and I. Sorry for going on that sort of tangent no, there. I, I kind of want to jump on to your tangent sure, a little go bit ahead. as you as you mentioned as something that something that I get with with my wife and it, <laughs> depending on the medium on the art medium that it is. Um, me obviously I love film and TV and the visual medium. I know you're a fan as well. And actually your your wife, um, you guys probably don't have this issue. Um, not to say I have issues in my marriage. It's going great. Uh, but, <laughs> but her, uh, my wife and I handle the visual. TV and and video movie medium very differently where I want to be engrossed into it. I want a movie and I appreciate movies that make me feel if a movie can make me feel whatever it is, if it's angry, sad, you know, if I can cry from a movie, I fucking love it when I can cry from a movie. Um, You know, I want to be taken and be absorbed into it much like you with this song sitting on your back porch and just be engulfed in it and just kind of pay attention, but also enjoy the life around you um, where my wife, when it comes to TV, she wants fluff. She wants nothing but fluff. She mm-hmm. wants to have something on in the background that she can do other shit to. You know, she wants the kind of poppy stuff that she doesn't have to listen to. She wants to watch the same shows that she's seen a hundred times. And so she can just kind of do other things. And I'm like, I don't want that. I want to sit on my couch, turn off the lights and be enveloped by this thing and and, and really try to absorb it, try to you know, analyze it, try to do all that kind of stuff where if a movie makes her feel something, 
she does not like that thing anymore. <laughs> she was like, no, that movie made me feel sad. And I'm like, is that's a good thing? And she's like, no, I'm never watching that again. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so just my, that's my little rant. Uh, on the one hand, uh, I'm totally with you. On the other hand, I kind of understand her. Like mm. when I go to bed at night, we usually, especially as of lately, I don't know why we will have something on. And I could not tell you how many times we've gone through the series, how I met your mother Mm-hmm. simply because it's i've seen the season so many times i don't really need to think it's something it's literally what i fall asleep to yeah okay. so and i think if i had something that engaged me when i was trying to go to sleep um it would just keep me awake and that's not what i want i'm trying to go to sleep yeah. so i'm i'm i tend to when i'm getting ready for bed like you know when i were like okay I'm, I'm trying to turn off the lights it's time to try to go to sleep but i still like having noise in the background I'm like, I'm going to put something on that I don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. So it's usually I mean, one yeah. of those. Lately, it's been Scrubs, actually. I've been rewatching Scrubs because I've Great seen call. that so many times. I can I can fall asleep to it, wake up in the middle yeah. of another season, <laughs> and still know what's going on. Very true. And, and so, I mean, there's 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 reasons for all of that. Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but on the other hand, I'm also, I understand with her because there are a lot of things that I love that I don't want to see again. Like I don't think I could ever rewatch the entire series of um, Game of Thrones. Oh, real? I see. I've seen it like three times, four times through. I well, I used. To, I always actually every before every season, I would rewatch all the episodes. So I've seen season one. I don't know eight times. <laughs> um, season two seven times right, exactly. season three etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i've only seen season eight one time and that's probably all i'm gonna rewatch yeah. i don't need to rewatch it again <laughs> no one does um but i've seen all of those like so many times kind yeah. of leading up to it i mean some of those series shows that are great like i loved the first season of westworld yeah and before the second season came out my wife's like do you want to rewatch it i'm like no no i don't <laughs> oh i did well you I, do you do miss some of those uh, there's some shock value twists yeah, with, with shows like that that you don't get, you don't get the second time around. Yeah. All right, let's 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 rail it back in. Okay. <laughs> I could keep going about Game of Thrones, John, if you <laughs> want to, or Westworld. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, we are on to the last song. Wow. All right, we're there. Song number ten, which is called "Carry On." All right, with this one, you definitely get the the up and down because mm-hmm. her, you know, the verse to, from the verse to the pre-chorus to the chorus, uh, she changes styles quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. For some reason, I get this song reminds me of the end of the Dark Side of the Moon album, kind of the mm-hmm. the brain damage to Eclipse style. Like it, it feels like she took the the. The difference between those two songs that is really stark, and which which, which is what I, I think makes great about those two songs at the end of, of Dark Side of the Moon, mm-hmm. and encompasses it all into one song. Hmm. So okay. I'm not I'm not saying the songs sound similar. I'm saying I'm getting yeah. the same vibe from the use of change between them. She's just doing it in one song instead of from one song to the next. Okay. 
I like that. Um, so in case anybody, you know, hears and they're not looking it up, it's not carry on, like carry on my wayward son, that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. carry on or carry on, how you probably pronounce the same, but which is, which is an SAT word. Again, yes. she's very smart. She's smarter than us. Um, it's an SAT, basically for dead flesh. Yeah. That kind of, <laughs> so, which I wouldn't have thought to use that kind of vernacular. No right. way. Right. Um, and the song, it's, you know, it seems to me to be all about kind of losing your love um, to someone uh, or uh, because you know that they're not good for you. You know, that you know that possibly they're abusive, probably destructive, but like you kind of, you lose interest in them because you see that kind of stuff. You see their, the, the, the horribleness in their humanity or stuff like that. Some, something like that extent. Um, they're basically, they become dead flesh to you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's basically like she's saying like, I'm, I'm no longer, I don't care about you anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's just, again, really depth in the, in the poetry, in the lyrics. Um, I really like the feel of this one. Yeah. I mean, it's got still all the kind of stuff that you had from before, but maybe kind of moving, uh, into different sections in this song itself, really strong contender. And I think it ends the album in a perfect kind of somber note as well. This is, I think this is a great way to end this album. Um, I like how the the feel of it uh, leads us in because this is this is another one that makes me want to start the album over. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get to the end of it, it just you know it makes me feel a certain way, um, and I'm going to kind of bleed this right into my okay. final thoughts. This is quite possibly one of my most favorite albums of all time. If I had to rank my favorite albums, this probably would be in my top ten. Of favorite albums it's one of the few that i still listen to all the way through every single time i hear it i don't pick out single songs um much like when we talked about graceland i don't usually mm-hmm. pick out single songs of graceland i just hit the whole album all the way through um it's stayed with me and i enjoy some of her other things but i don't go back to any of her other albums the way i go back to title and maybe it hit me in the right time in my angsty years as a teenager and it, it that's that feeling has just stuck with me but i will forever love the album title and for me obviously i came in in a very different perspective only listening to the singles not really listening to these since probably I heard them with you. Right. And listening to it now, I will absolutely say I appreciate this album more than I did when I was younger. Hmm. Um, where I may have only, you know, listened to those Sleep to Dream and Criminal. This whole album is definitely worth it. Coming from somebody who, you know, I, I haven't listened to it consistently like you probably have. This one is a really good one, you know. Um, it's, it's perfect if you are in a relate, you know, it's any kind of like, you know, a breakup album or something, or, or you're just feeling angry about humans and relationships and, or you want to feel sad and just kind of want to seep yourself into that some more. This is a great album to listen to for that. Um, if you want to just, yeah, get deep into yourself, put this one on, maybe go for a walk just out by yourself in nature. Or as you kind of put it, man, I, I kind of see it myself sitting on a, um, bench swing yeah. kind of just looking out onto maybe like a, a a a pond or something like that and just kind of <laughs> reflecting upon yeah. myself while I'm listening to this one this is a fantastic album for that so um even though my iTunes says only one listen uh, per a lot of the songs on this album probably sooner than later 
they're going to get that second listen. I'm going to probably <laughs> go through this whole album again probably pretty soon because it is it's very nice. All and right. So I appreciate you putting this one on and kind of getting me to, to listen to it. So real good. I think that that's one of the been the great things about this podcast is, one, we're revisiting things that we, you know, did or we loved as kids. But even though we are brothers and we shared a lot, our differences are showing Mm-hmm. in a lot of these things and honestly i think a lot more of our personalities are showing in our album reviews than some of the other things we've done yeah um and i'm glad we started doing that because we get we so we're starting to get these insights into each other yeah and how we grew nice. up oh i love you john i love you too bro <laughs> that was our review of the album title by fiona apple Please join us next time for another fun episode as we break down the 1992 film Three Ninjas, discuss the 90s cartoon The Tick, and do our casting of some Brotherhood of Mutants into the MCU. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Why This Film Podcast looks back at the movies of your childhood. Join me, Emily Slade, each week as I step back in time to revisit the films that you grew up with. Maybe you haven't seen it for a while. Maybe you've watched it every day since you were eight. Maybe you totally forgot it existed. Whatever the movie, I'm here to go back with you through nostalgia untold and memories unnumbered. Together, we'll ask, why this film?